When faith becomes sight. And that's the only way we're going to get there. It's a story saved by grace. Come on. That's good stuff. I'm excited. I'm glad to be here with you today. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that we get to sing praises to our amazing King about His grace. It's a good day to be here. Um, one thing I want to add. Megan and I were just talking about it. I noticed it. There's a theme that we've been singing about today, and it's right, that we're going to get to tell this story for eternity in heaven. Don't, don't forget, we also get to do that now here in this temporal land that we live. We still get to tell this story saved by grace, and we have an awesome opportunity to do so on a daily basis. We're going to talk about more, that more later, but before we get started, I want to pray and just ask the Lord to help us. Father, we bow before you this morning and we praise you as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we confess there is no God but you. God, we, today we praise you because you are holy and just and good. That you are near to the brokenhearted. We praise you, God, and we thank you that we can have salvation in your name. Lord, when we could not get to you, you, Lord Jesus, came to us. And now through your perfect sacrifice, we can have a relationship with the God of the universe. And we praise you for that. We thank you for that. Lord, I thank you that we can worship this morning here freely as brothers and sisters in Christ, adopted as your children. I pray, Father, that you would encourage us as we sing your praises, that you would just get us that much more excited about you and what it means to be the body of Christ. And I pray that you would encourage us through the study of your word. You help us to be intentional with our lives on mission with you, living for your glory and for your kingdom. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, my name is Trey Clinney, and for two months I've been back on staff at Longview Point and my official title is now is called Discipleship Pastor. And my responsibilities basically are small groups and millennial-aged group. And so that's what uh, I have the privilege of being a part of here at Longview Point. And I'm very thankful today to be able to study the Word with you. I'm thankful for this opportunity. We're going to be all over the place. I thought it was fitting uh, to discuss small group ministry with you. Um, and I want to tell you a little bit of history about where I am and kind of where my, how my passion has become uh, small groups. Um, I was saved when I was 22 years old. I was hard-hearted. But a friend of mine in a small group of young men been praying for me and other friends by name. Dusty came and shared the gospel, and I was saved. Immediately, I got plugged into a small group of folks my age, and we started seeking the Lord together. And they encouraged me. They taught me how to read the Word. They taught me to obey the Word. They taught me how to share the gospel. They taught me how to confess sin when I was convicted of sin. They taught me to memorize Scripture. And basically, as a group of disciples, we just did life together. They'd call me and check on me. They'd hold me accountable. When I was struggling, I could be just gut-level honest with my struggles. They didn't condemn me. They encouraged me. And through that small group of disciples, God grew me. He radically has been transforming my life ever since. And I believe that's God's plan. When Longview Point was being talked about, I was a member at Longview Heights in Olive Branch, and I was so excited to learn that they were going to start a church in my hometown. I was thinking, man, we need more and more churches that are focused on the nations, more and more churches that are focused on teaching the word and discipleship and being intentional. And I was so excited, but I was really plugged into my small group. So I stayed in Olive Branch. I kind of lived halfway at that time. But to be honest, back then I was doing maintenance work and I was uh, working out of Hernando. I invited more people to Longview Point than I did to Longview Heights, mostly because of proximity. But I was so excited about what God was doing. Shortly after that, Megan and I were married. And uh, not long after we were married, we uh, were invited 
to come and help with the youth connect groups here. And so we were, we didn't have to pray about that long. We were excited about coming down here and being a part of the ministry at Longview Point. And so even then, we were involved in, in small group ministry. And after going overseas and seeing that legit churches that are only the size of a lot of our connect groups are being started all over this world with very simple practices of making disciples and teaching them how to walk with Christ and to obey what they've learned and to function as the body of Christ. I look back and survey how God has brought me to this point and I never ever would have dreamed that I'd be standing before you this morning for several reasons. Before I was saved, there's no way I ever would have been up here in front of a bunch of people. But even after that, I thought I was going to be living overseas somewhere and here I am. And I praise God for that. You know, in life, it's okay to be sad and excited at the same time. A lot of times we find ourselves in that position. But I see how even over the last four years, the Lord has been preparing me. And I just give him the praise and I thank him. And I just, just want to celebrate with you today that we are in a good place as a body of Christ. And I'm thankful to be here on staff to encourage you guys and to, to serve you guys as we seek you know our church's mission statement, to expand our vision statement, to expand his kingdom across the street and around the world. What a privilege. What a privilege. Well, I thought it'd be fitting for us to discuss our small group ministry. So I ask this question. You may be asking this. Maybe you haven't asked it out loud. But what's the purpose of our connect group ministry at the point? What's the purpose? So today we're going to discuss that. What's the purpose? Like I said, we'll be in a lot of passages, but we're going to start by saying we need to align under what our church's vision is, our church's purpose. And our church, by the way, aligns under what God's vision is, what God's purpose is. You look at Matthew chapter 28, and the vision for our small group ministry falls under that vision that Jesus gave to his disciples, and it falls under our vision as a church. So our vision is expanding his kingdom. By making disciples that make disciples. That's why we exist as a small group ministry at Longview Point. Expanding his kingdom by making disciples that make disciples. You know Matthew 28. You might have thought when I told you Matthew 28, you're like, great, Trey's in Matthew 28 again. I just can't get away from it. <laughs> Jesus had been crucified. His disciples had been scattered. And now they've been regathered. He has risen from the grave. And they have seen the power that he has exhibited. He told them before it happened, I'm going to be crucified, but you will see me risen from the grave. And now they're seeing it with, his eye, with their own eyes. And he tells them, guys, listen up. Speaking to his disciples, all authority has been given to me on heaven, in heaven and on earth. You know what that means? Do what I say. All authority. So what does he say? Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you even to the ends of the age. That's, that's who we are as the, the body of Christ. That's who we are as the army of God. That's who we are as every single believer in this entire world. We are the army of God to get it done. And then, more locally, as a local body, a local expression of the body of Christ, we are more like a battalion. We're a smaller group, but we're here with a clear vision given from our high commander. A clear vision to go and make disciples of all nations and to teach them to observe, to obey all that he has commanded. Now, who is that command for? Context. That was given to the original disciples, right? But think about this. They were told to make disciples and then what were they supposed to do? Baptize them and then what? To teach them. Teach them what? To obey. To obey what? To obey all that Jesus had commanded. So this is one of the commandments that Jesus gave them for us to obey as well. To be passed down through the generations of believers. 
All the way here in Hernando, Mississippi, we find ourselves being given this same commission to go and make disciples. So that's what we're going to build our marching orders of, off of. Now, if our church is a battalion, then what will we be? Let's be squads. Our little small groups, our connect group ministry, will be squads of the battalion of the greater army of God. And we want to march to the orders of our king. So, how do we do this? That's our vision. What's our mission? Our mission in our small groups is equipping the saints for the work of ministry. Equipping the saints for the work of ministry. What does that look like? In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul is talking to the church and how God, he has given different leaders and different gift sets for the equipping of the saints. He's given some as apostles, some as prophets, some as pastors and teachers, shepherds. What for? What is their role? Is their role to be lone rangers and to get it done themselves? No. Their role is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. So that we all, as saints, will be built up into maturity. So that we're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. So that you and I, as the saints, are mature and our knowledge and mature in our obedience to Christ so that we are, every one of us, equipped, able, ready for the work of ministry. That's good stuff. Who's a saint? I'm a saint. Are you a saint? Do you know that every single believer in Christ has been set apart? Every single person that has been reborn into the family of God has been set apart and made holy. And that's what it means to be a saint. Every one of us today who are followers of Christ are saints. Every one of us. So what that means is every one of us all belong to that army of God. Every one of us have a role to play. And every one of us should be in our small groups being, we should be, Every one of us in small groups should be being equipped for the work of ministry. So that's one goal. One mission is to equip us so that we are mature, so that we have unity, and so that we are obedient in Christ. Also, our mission is to encourage, encouraging the saints to study and obey God's word. Encouraging the saints. Now, when Megan and I lived overseas... We worked with some very eager people to obey what they were taught. It was, it was refreshing and, and boggling and mind-blowing at the same time. We'd have a training, and we would be teaching people how to go out and share the gospel. And you know what they did? They went out and shared the gospel. And you're like, well, that was simple. And I found, man, they're not just sharing the gospel. They're saying a whole lot of other stuff. And some of the stuff they say is good, and some of the stuff they say is not really that great. And so they, they had obedience, but they didn't have a lot of knowledge. And so we needed to, to bridge that gap and get some knowledge and help them grow in truth so that they would be mature, so that they would have unity, and so that they would be equipped for the work of ministry. Coming back here, I've noticed something. I don't mean this. I'm not jaded. I, I love the Bride of Christ and all of her expressions, and I'm thankful for this church particularly. But in, in the West, I've noticed that through the, through the ages, we have inherited a lot of knowledge. There's a lot of bookstores for Christians. A lot of Bible dictionaries and um, really, really good. And I'm thankful for a lot of the commentaries that we have access to. Study Bibles. I mean, name one. I mean, name a translation and there's a study Bible. That's not a bad thing. That's a really good thing. That's a huge blessing. But I'm afraid that sometimes we get out of balance. We have a lot of knowledge, but not a lot of obedience. So overseas, we were working with people that had a lot of obedience, but not a lot of knowledge. We wanted to bridge that gap, bring some knowledge. So here, we want to really drive home that we need to be encouraging one another, holding each other accountable, coming alongside one another, so that we not just hear, but do God's word together. And so that's a goal, a part of our mission Empowering the saints to expand his kingdom. Empowering the saints. I want you to know this. Today, brothers and sisters, big brothers, little sisters, 
We have been given authority from Jesus Christ to go and expand his kingdom. You have the ability. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the word of God. You have the power, the empowerment to go and expand his kingdom. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. We know the prayer as the Lord's prayer. And remember he told them, when you pray, pray like this. And he said, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. This isn't just talking about the second coming of Christ. The the consummation of all time. But this is talking about the kingdom of God. Coming on a daily basis as people hear and respond to the gospel. As people are saved and Jesus takes up residency. The Holy Spirit takes up residency into these new believers. And his kingdom grows and expands all across this world every time people come to Christ. Thy kingdom come on earth. Not just in heaven, but on earth. So right now, our mission statement as a church, our vision is... Expand his kingdom. That's what we want to do through our small groups as well. Expand his kingdom. And encourage and equip and empower the saints to do that. So we need some core values, right? Who are we? What are we about? So I want to talk to you a little bit about that. This is, this is crucial, okay? All for God's glory. That means it's not for ours. We're not doing this for our glory. We're not doing this for our recognition. We're not doing this to grow a local empire on the corner of Bahalia and Mackinville. This is all about God. Not Longview Point. Right? Think about this. One of my favorite missionary professors in seminary has served a long time overseas in South America and saw some mighty movement of God. And he would tell us over and over, do not touch the glory of God. Don't ever try to take credit for what God is doing. If God is moving, give him the praise. It's not about how smart we are, how much money we have, or how clear of a strategy we have. It's all about God moving. And it's all for his glory. So, everything's got to be for his glory, not ours. Matthew 5, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. I like this verse, it's good. Jesus is talking about being salt and light. In verse 14 it says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, In the same way as we light a light and we display it, let your light shine before others so that, why? So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Why do we do what we do? So that our Father in heaven is glorified. So another core value is obedience-driven discipleship. Obedience-driven discipleship. I kind of labored that in the vision. In Matthew 28, Jesus said to go, make disciples, to baptize them, and then to teach them. And what he said to teach them was to obey. That's what he said to teach, to teach them obedience. Obedience to what? All that he's commanded. And so when you and I sit down in a study and we study the word of God together, and automatically, even when we study by ourselves, A man that discipled me early on was teaching me to study the word, to teach it. And he said, always ask after you study it and understand what it says, so what? So what? Based on what I've learned, what do I do? What do we do? We need to be seeking to obey God's word. So we, a big core value of ours is obedience-driven discipleship. Another value is the 2-2-2 principle. 2-2-2. That comes from 2 Timothy Chapter 2, verse 2, 2, 2, 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. And what that's talking about is multiplication. 
Remember Paul told Timothy, the things that you have heard from me in the presence of many men, teach these to those who will be faithful to teach them also. So Paul said, the stuff you've learned from me, Timothy, so it went from Paul to Timothy, teach that to other men who will also be faithful to teach it to others. So what Paul taught Timothy was being multiplied through the discipleship process. So Paul had taught it to Timothy, Timothy taught it to faithful men, and they were to teach it to others, and undoubtedly that was to continue. And so what we do, and why we do it, and how we do it, should be simple enough to be reproduced. So what that means is, if you're a member of a connect group on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Tuesday night or Wednesday night or whatever, you should be able to take what you've learned and participated in class and reproduce that on your lunch break. And the people that you teach that to on your lunch break should be able to take it home and teach it to their family. And it should be able to be passed on from faithful people to faithful people. And that should drive what we do. And that's a big factor of why we do what we do here in our Connect Group ministry. Another core value is everything must be based on the Word of God. Everything. The Word of God is where we get our marching orders. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture is inspired by God. It's God-breathed. Therefore, it's profitable for Teaching and for reproof and for correction and training in righteousness. So that the man of God may be adequately equipped. We can be adequately equipped for ministry solely based on the word of God. So we want everything we do to, to revolve around the word of God. We, we do want to have fellowship. We do want to go and do service projects together. We do want to enjoy one another in class. And it's okay to talk about football if that's what cranks your tractor. But we need more than anything to be focused on God's word. Studying it, seeking to obey it together, it's all about God's Word. So those are some core values. So we have a vision. We have a mission. What's the plan? I was talking with a group of gentlemen about a week after I came on staff here. So it was like early August. And they were saying, oh, man, small group ministry, that's really important. You have a, a, a really big responsibility. And one guy, an older gentleman, told me, he's like, I would, that would be, but if I were to join a church, it would hinge on their small group ministry. I'm like, okay, no pressure. You know? uh, he's like, so tell me your plan. And so I'll start telling him, like, here's our vision. And I'm still formulating these things. I mean, not formulating it, but formulating how to communicate and think about it. I'm like, okay, well, we want to make sure that we're expanding God's kingdom by making disciples that make disciples. Like, yeah, that's your vision. What's your plan? How are you going to see it happen? How's it going to unfold? And I'm like, well, that's a really good question. We need to make sure that everybody knows that. So what is our plan to accomplish this vision and mission? Well, we're going to need to recruit and train and coach connect leaders to make disciples that make disciples. Right? If we're going to have more groups, we're going to need more leaders. And if we're going to have more leaders, we need to be recruiting broadly. We need to be training all of the leaders, but also, this is a privilege of mine, and I'm not here to even try to act like a guru, but to come alongside each individual leader and coach them along. Where are you? Where do you need to be? How are you going to get there? Where are the men, individuals, where are the men and women in your groups? Where do they need to be? How are we going to coach them along to get there? And so there's this, this general uh, recruiting and training and also, this individual personal coaching. That's fun. I mean, if you, tell, if you say, okay, I start the week. On the close of every week, I make a, a list of priority activities for the coming week. Okay? So sometimes I might have to work on a budget. Or I might need to develop a, a sermon. Or make a hospital visit. So I write it all down. Next week, I need to make sure I call so-and-so. And I do this and do that. Do you know what I always go to first? Any kind of personal relationship, any kind of personal activity. And the other stuff kind of gets put on the back burner. i got to make sure that I get to those other things because I want to be in your life. I want to be one-on-one. And I want our leaders to do that as well. And listen to me. In a connect group, you don't have to be the leader to be coaching along someone that's in your group in life, encouraging them and walking with them. But we need that personal relationship, that coaching also, another way that we seek to accomplish this vision and mission is to train every member 
in entry and evangelism. Now, what do I mean by that? Every single member in our church, yes, and specifically right now we're talking about in our connect groups, needs to be trained how to enter, how to think about entering into the harvest and how to share the gospel, how to evangelize. And what does that look like? It looks differently in different settings, but a very simple, practical way. And we talk about this. It's in your connect group uh, curriculum material to make a list of friends and family that need to hear the gospel. We call it an oikos list. That's the relationships of people that are closest to you. So we, all of us should have a list of people that we're praying over and seeking to get into spiritual conversations with and trying to share the gospel with. So make a list. You know what I notice in this setting, in this context? I remember it being like this before I went overseas. But when we went overseas, we really lived them in a, in a community where people were involved with each other all across the you know neighbors and stuff like that. Before going overseas, I remember all too often, you, you pull up into your house after a long day's work, you click the garage door opener, your garage opens, you pull in, you shut it behind you, you go inside, you make dinner, you clean up, you get the kids bathed and in bed, and the next morning you wake up and you open the garage door and you drive out and you go to work and you're gone all day and then you come back and you continue the process. And really, most of our relationships these days aren't in our neighborhood that much. They should be. We should be seeking to be intentional to build those relationships. But what I'm saying is most of your relationships are probably at work and at school. So we need to be very intentional with the people that God has placed us. Listen, you're not at your job assignment on accident. God has put you there and given you those relationships for a reason. So that your light can shine. And those people that see your light for Jesus shine glorify your Father who is in heaven. That's why you're in the workplace. That's why you're where you are. I mean, you're like, yeah, no, this is to make money. That's part of it. That's significant. <laughs> Keep it up. Good job. But let's be lights in the workplace. So maybe more people on your list are people not just in your neighborhoods and maybe not even just family, but it might be your coworkers or your classmates or people at the ballpark. Megan and I talked about this. We we were complaining about the busyness of American culture and how so often now, you remember, it wasn't that long ago, you would never have practice on a church night or a game on a church day. But that's not the case anymore because it's not valued in our society. But you know, instead of complaining about it, if you guys have kids that are playing on teams and you're missing church, then make sure you take it with you where you go. Build relationships on the ball team intentionally. And share the gospel with your coach and pray over the team before they play. And be intentional with the relationships that God has entrusted you with. Maybe it's at the gym. Maybe it's at different hobbies that you do. Make a list. Pray over those people. Pray over those on the list and be intentional to get into spiritual conversations. Intentional. It's a key word. If you're like me, you can kind of float through life sometimes. And you, if you slow down enough before you fall asleep at night, you think about your day. And you're like, man, I missed a couple opportunities today to get into a spiritual conversation. So let's be intentional with those especially on our list as we pray for them to get into spiritual conversations. Also, we need to train every member. Part of that is training members how to share my story and God's story with those that are on the list. And what do I mean by that? How to share my story is basically how do we share our testimony of coming to faith in Christ. We won't practice it this morning. That's what your connect groups are for. But I'll give you an overview. You break up your life into three parts. Your life before you met Christ. And that's supposed to point other people to say, hey, I identify with you. You can identify with how I was. This is why I needed Christ. This is why you need Christ. And here's how I came to meet him. My buddy came and preached the gospel to me, and God had been drawing me to himself, and I was so ready to hear. I just, that night, laid it down and repented and believed and asked God to help me, and he did. And since I trusted Christ, my life has been changing in these ways. And so your life after Christ, before Christ, how you met Christ, and how he's changed your life afterwards. That's your testimony. All of us who are followers of Christ, our stories might be a little bit different than one another's, right? Some of our stories have way different uh, material, if you will, in it. But it has the same basic story. I was a sinner in need of a Savior. 
I heard the gospel and repented and believed. And since following Christ, I'm a new creation. And my life is different. It's not the same. So teach everyone how to share our story. And when we do that in class, in our, in our connect group time, we have time for practice. Time to, to take turns doing that together. Also, how to share God's story with those people that are on your list. How do we share God's story? I'll give you a couple verses. You can write them on your, on your uh, sheet, or you can write them in the cover of your Bible if you'd like to just hold, hold on to them. You probably have heard this. I'm sure you have. The Romans road is very simple. Romans 3.23. You can write Romans 3.23. The wages, uh, all of sin and fall short of God's glory. All of us. Romans 6.23 is the next verse. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So all have sinned and we deserve punishment. The next verse is Romans 5.8. God demonstrates his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's a good verse. The night that I heard the gospel and it made sense when my buddy Dusty came to share the gospel, that verse gripped my heart. I told him, Dusty, I've been trying to get clean enough so I can go to church and not feel guilty. And he said, you can't ever get clean enough to come to a holy God. Romans 5.8 says that God proves his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not once we got clean. He came to us right where we were. Romans 5.8, the next verse is Romans 10.9. If we confess with our mouth, Jesus as Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And guys, that's, that's the irreducible minimum of the gospel. It doesn't have to be a big drawn out presentation. You can share those verses back to back to back to back and trust the Holy Spirit to use his word and draw people to himself. But we want to be practicing these things in class together so that we can be growing together, so that we can be encouraging one another, coaching one another. And maybe you have a, you're in a connect group and there's someone in your group that's always, you have a time of accountability and they're like, man, I got to share with somebody last week. And you're like, man, I should have shared, but I was scared. Maybe you need to get with homeboy and be like, bro, every time we meet, you're sharing the gospel with somebody. Would you please come with me and show me how to do that so we can do life together? But we need to be growing and being empowered to do these things. Okay? Also, this might encourage you to look for daily opportunities to share the gospel. Look for daily opportunities to share the gospel. And what I mean by that is just being conscious, being aware, right? Think about it. Think about it like this. I got on here red light, yellow light, green light. What I mean by that is. Before I was saved, I was a red light. Someone would try to get into a spiritual conversation, I'd shut it down real quick. Invite me to church, and I'm probably going to cuss you out. I don't want to hear anything that you have to say because all y'all are a bunch of hypocrites, and I don't want to be a hypocrite. That was my mentality. I liked my sin, and I wasn't ready to stop. And then a group of guys began to pray for me and other friends by name. And God began to turn that red light into a yellow light. I wouldn't be so hostile. I wouldn't be so against it. I began thinking about going to church on my own. I began to plan to go to church. God was opening my, my mind up to spiritual things. More of a yellow light. I wasn't really like ripe and ready to respond, but I was still willing to talk about it and listen. But then the night that Dusty came, God had turned my heart into a green light. I had been trying to clean my life up and couldn't do it. Been trying to get out of bondage and couldn't get out of it. And Dusty preached the gospel and the fruit was ripe. My heart was green and ready to respond. And that's what I'm looking for out there, right? You may never know if someone's a red light, a yellow light, or a green light until you actually share the gospel. If they're a red light, fine, let them be, right? We're not trying, we can't force it. We tried. If they're a yellow light, we'll just make a note to, Continue the conversation later, but when they're a green light, man, don't you want to be there when they bow their knee to Christ? Don't you want to be a part of that? We don't want to let the angels be the only ones rejoicing, right? Don't you want to be able to be a part of that and see that new person come to Christ, a new babe, a new creation? That's good stuff. That's eternal. That matters. So we're looking for the green lights. Daily opportunities, they're there. They're there. They're all over. We won't know until we try. 
So also, our plan to accomplish this vision and mission is to use tools that are simple, that are biblical, that are affordable and reproducible. Why? Because we want everybody to be able to, to, be able to use these tools. So the reason that we have the say, teach, do method in class is because we want to be dependent on the Word and we want to be able to discuss the Word as Holy Spirit-filled believers, understand what it says, and go out and do it. That's why we use that tool in our study time because we want it to be something that is simple, biblical, affordable, and reproducible. We don't want to spend too much money on it because then that's not going to be reproducible. It's going to be dependent on how much money we have. We want every single member in our connect groups to be able to take what they have learned and to reproduce that on their own. So what that might look like is you come to class on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night, whatever connect group you go to, and then you're able to take what you've learned and you're able to go into your community or into your family or to your workplace And have a Bible study with the same stuff that you've learned and reproduce that. And then they're able to reproduce that as well. Does that make sense? You're like, yeah. Sounds easier said than done. That's why we're practicing. That's why we're coaching. That's why we're coming alongside one another. I remember when I worked at FedEx, fresh out of high school, it felt like a little city. I mean, people were there all the time. We had a food court area with a KFC. What else do you need in life? I spent most of my time on breaks at the little chain-link, fenced-off area for smoking. (laughs) That's where I was at most of the time. I had a guy that was constantly trying to share the gospel with me while I was there. I look back, I got to run into him after being saved and thank him for his faithful witness. Never once did he cuss back. Never once when I would make fun of him and pick on him for being a goody two-shoes did he bow up. And he could have wiped the floor with me. He was so much bigger than me and I was such a little cocky joker. He could have wiped the floor with me, but he was always gentle and showed Christ. And I think, man, what would it look like if all the people that are Christians that worked at FedEx were very intentional during break time and lunch time? And what if they started having Bible studies about the same stuff that they've learned on Sunday at work? And take the gospel, take the word out of these walls. That'd be cool. And that could happen. That didn't have to be at FedEx. It's happening during, uh, amongst medical workers in Midtown. It's happening right now amongst university students at, at uh, Memphis. You guys work all over the place and go to school in different places, and you could take that and reproduce it. That's the goal. So what are some examples of these tools? we got the three-thirds method, the Say Teach, Do method, My Story, God's Story. These are all tools that we are intentionally using that are supposed to be simple, Biblical, affordable, and reproducible. doesn't cost any money to share your testimony. might cost a meal if you're being really intentional. Take somebody to lunch. That's, that's not bad. When I say three-thirds, I need to explain it. I don't want to spend too much time, but that's what you're doing. Your, your structure of your class is broken up into thirds, if you will, so that you're intentional to do all of these things, not just talk the whole time. It's good to talk in fellowship. But you also have, so the first part is fellowshipping together, having some time of accountability and encouragement together, praying together. And then another section of the time, another third, if you will, is about studying the word together, the new teaching, reviewing what we learned last time and diving into a passage and asking the questions, what did we learn about God? What did we learn about man? Is there a command to a follow or an example to follow or a command to obey? Is there a sin to avoid or repent of? And asking these questions and dialoguing together and coming up with what is meant to be learned now. And then the last section, if you will, the last third is about obedience. Based on what we have studied, now specifically what do I need to do? It's not saying, hey, you know, this week I've realized I should read the Bible more. Yes, <laughs> always. But this week, I'm going to make sure that I go to bed 30 minutes early so that I can wake up 20 minutes early and read for an extra 10 minutes every day this week. That's a very specific goal. So next week when we meet and we're saying, hey, how did how'd you do last night or last week with your goals? You'll be like, well, five days this week, I got up early and I read for 10 minutes more a day. 
Good job. You, you did what you said that God wanted you to do. Good job. This week, I should be sharing the gospel more. Yeah, you should. This week, I'm going to share the gospel with my neighbor. I know I'm going to be scared. I know it's going to be hard. But I'm going to be specific. I'm going to do this. Next week, hey, did you share the gospel? No, I didn't. Why? Well, they're only home two of the days, and I chickened out. and That's okay. Let's pray about it. Can I come help you? See how that is? So we break it up into these three different sections so that we don't forget to have good fellowship, so that we don't forget to study the Word, but so that we don't forget to set goals for obedience as well. And then we pray and ask God, help us to obey these goals that we have set for you. So, another tool, if you will, another way that we seek to accomplish this vision and mission is to train Connect Group members to chase their oikos and to start new groups. Now, what does that mean? This means that we have a list of all these people that we're seeking to share the gospel with. When we see someone come to Christ, and by the way, we should expect to see people come to Christ when we're intentional to go and preach the gospel. When we pray for these people and go after them seriously, I mean praying with tears and snot, really serious about it, And then taking advantage of those opportunities and sharing the gospel, we should expect God to save people. Sometimes I I think we forget the power of the gospel. I do. And I don't know why I would because I've seen it so powerfully in my life. But I still forget. How do we do that? I have no idea. We forget. But when we share, we should expect people to believe. So we have people on our list. Well, those people have Their own group of relationships. So instead of always bringing that person back to our group, maybe we should also go with them to their group and start a Bible study in their home, in their neighborhood, and try to reach their oikos. And so by doing so, we reach a whole nother level segment of the uh, population, if you will, than we would if we just only stayed within these walls. So we want to be thinking outside of these walls, starting new groups and, and challenging and encouraging others to think that way. We want to equip and challenge every group to reproduce itself annually. That's a, I think that's a God-sized goal, but I'd be fine with two groups or three groups annually. I mean every group, not just two or three. I mean like 20, <laughs> 40. 60 groups. Wait a minute, Trey. Where are we going to put all those groups? That's a good question. We're not seeking to build our kingdom. We're seeking to build God's kingdom. We're not seeking for our glory. Man, Longview Point, they had to fill in the lake and build an education complex because they were reaching so many people. That's not what I'm talking about. I think we need that lake. I need to get to dunk somebody in it sometime soon. But we can start groups in homes And never run out of space. Every time we reach a new person, they usually have a home. And we can just start a group in their home. I don't want this to be misunderstood. I'm all about having some education space here. We have it. Praise the Lord for it. He's provided that. But I don't want to be limited by the lack of it. We don't need to be limited. God's kingdom is bigger than that. And we want to see his kingdom spread much further than that. We want to reach, by the way, if you're reaching people in Memphis, they may not be able to come to Hernando to go to church. Well, you can train them and have groups, small groups, connect groups that one day may even be churches in Memphis. Equip and challenge every group to reproduce itself. Start home groups in strategic locations at various times of the week. There are people that can't come to church on Sunday mornings for whatever reason. So maybe that's not the most strategic time for every single group. Do you remember the disciples, what they did when they went in the early church? It said that they they did meet on the first day of the week, but they also met daily from house to house. And this is going to get you. Y'all ready for this? Give authority to connect groups to become new churches as the Lord leads. Long viewpoint was created with a vision as a church plant that will plant churches that plant churches. And God has blessed our strategy tremendously. 
And we've seen churches started all across the county. And we've seen churches start in different counties. And we've been part of helping raise up church plant interns that have planted churches in different states and different areas of the, the nation. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. And we should continue to do that. But we don't need to be limited by money. And there's nothing wrong with a group that was started that has a heartbeat to form a church. That says they got a, a group leader that meets the biblical qualifications of a pastor. Whether he's been to seminary or not, they can be a church. Did you know that? Sometimes I think we forget. There weren't seminaries in Jesus' day. Now, am I knocking seminary? No. I am very thankful. Very thankful for my days in seminary. But I'm going to tell you this. I think this is a mark of a healthy church. I have learned at least as much, if not more, about walking with Christ and about serving and about leading in a church from being a member at Longview Point than I did in seminary. In seminary, we talked a lot and we learned a lot and we read a lot and we wrote a lot and it was good and it was practical. But I had lunch with my pastor once a week as a pretty new believer and learned about being a godly man, godly husband, godly leader. Wade told me early on, you keep a church focused on the Great Commission, you don't have time to fight about stuff that doesn't matter. He told me when you study the Bible that you need to make sure that you have good hermeneutics, that you interpret it correctly. The Bible's not going to mean something different today that it didn't mean to the original audience. He taught me that the Bible is God's inspired word, therefore it can't have any error. And if it doesn't have any error, it's never going to contradict itself. So that means if there's a passage that's a little bit unclear, we can use clear passages to help us interpret the unclear passages. And I learned those things from being a member here. You have too. And if we're biblically qualified, I don't see any reason that we shouldn't give authority to connect groups to become new churches as the Lord leads. That's how we, not how, that's not specifically how, but Longview Heights gave away up 30 members to be the core group for the first the church start here in, Law, in Hernando. Aren't you glad that Longview Heights didn't cling to them? I mean, undoubtedly they were faithful brothers and sisters that probably were good tithers and probably were Sunday school teachers and probably were obedient to go out and share the gospel. They didn't cling to them, but they gave them away so that the kingdom would grow. Praise God for that. We want God's kingdom to grow. So dream with me, and we'll wrap it up. Dream with me. What would it look like if every one of us in this, this room today, every one of us from the first service to this service, were intentional witnesses for, uh, witnesses for Christ on a daily basis? What would that look like? Well, if each one of us, if there were 800 of us that gathered today, and each one of us shared the gospel once a week, you know what that means? 800 people would hear the gospel a week just from this battalion. That's pretty cool. 800 people in the Memphis metro area could hear the gospel this week as a result of all of us sharing at one time. If every group multiplies next year, then there'll be 20 new groups reaching their communities. Their oikasas being trained, being coached how to go out and be soldiers for Christ. If every group were to multiply, 20 new groups. There's no reason we couldn't have 40 new groups or 60 new groups. We can reach way more people in this area than would ever fit into this building. But we wouldn't be limited by space. If we continue to multiply out. We can start small groups that all across the Memphis metro area. That have the, the potential to become gospel centered churches. That continue to make disciples. That make disciples. The Memphis metro area. Is 10 counties. Represented in Mississippi, Arkansas and Tennessee. 
It's about, about 1.4 million people in the Memphis metro area. The statistic, the, the statistic I have says 64% are not religious affiliated. So based on that, 900,000 people are far from God in the Memphis metro area. Almost a million people growing daily. In the Memphis metro area, we have unreached people groups. People groups that, rep- that are represented all across the world. We learned about those in our Global Impact Conference. We have unengaged unreached people groups. Places that we cannot go. And they're coming to us. There's over 200 Sudanese families in the Memphis metro area that need to be reached with the gospel. Dr. Pepper preached at our GIC last week. He was focusing on the Fulanis. There's 3,000 of those in that people group in the Memphis area. 3,000 coming to us, refugees. There are 57,000 people in the Memphis metro area that were not born in America. They're coming here for us to engage. That's good news. We can impact the whole Memphis metro area. And it can go further than that. I've heard of people from Nepal coming to Memphis, trusting Christ, and going back to their people in Nepal with the gospel. How cool is that? We, our, our impact, our vision would be continually seen of expanding his kingdom across the street and around the world. But let's bring it in a little bit closer. Hernando, Mississippi. We live in a city that's only 25 square kilometers. Population estimate of around 16,000. About 5,600 homes. The number I saw on the internet yesterday was 5,671, but I'm sure that it's at least 71 and a half by now. We have a wonderful mission field right here. You can engage the nations by driving 10 minutes up the highway. We can engage the nations by walking across the street or going into the convenience store instead of swiping the card at the gas pump. There's 15,000 people in between the ages of 20 and 29 right here. And that's the, the least represented segment of our population is the millennials in church these days. 1,500. I said 1,000, didn't I? 1,500. Well, think about that. What if 50% of Hernando was in church this morning? That means 8,000 people aren't. That's our mission field. That's who we want to reach. And we can't put them right here, but we can go to them and we can reach them where they are. And I want to be able to utilize our connect group ministry as those of us who are following Christ together, encouraging one another, equipping one another, challenging one another, serving together, strategizing together to be intentional, to grow in our understanding of the word and our obedience to the word so that we can let our light shine and our Father in heaven be glorified and men and women be drawn to Jesus and be saved forevermore. We, as Longview Point, by God's grace, can expand God's kingdom for His glory in ways beyond what we could hope or imagine. That's our vision. That's our mission. That's our plan.